The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast is brought to you by Agape Match. Agape Match is a boutique matchmaking service that helps exceptional singles find meaningful connections and relationships. To learn more about our matchmaking services, online dating makeovers and takeovers, or to enroll in an upcoming group coaching intensive, go to agapematch.com. Welcome to Ask a Matchmaker podcast. I'm your host, Matchmaker Maria. For over a decade, I have combined four generations of family matchmaking tradition with the modern relationship psychology, behavioral science, and dating trends. With this unique expertise, I answer your dating and relationship questions on the podcast and online. If you're not already following me, weird, but also find me on Instagram. I'm at Matchmaker Maria. In today's episode, I am speaking with Rachel D'Alto. Rachel is a relationship expert, coach, media personality, and speaker. She has appeared as a relationship expert on Lifetime's Married at First Sight and TLC's Kate and Date. Rachel has also been featured on a multitude of media outlets, including the Today Show, Access Hollywood, and Fox News. Rachel is having a fantastic week. Her newest book, Relatable, How to Connect with Anyone, Anywhere, Even If It Scares You, was just released by Simon & Schuster's Tiller's Press last week and can be found at your local independent bookstore and wherever else books are sold. I will make sure to include a link in the episode notes for you to purchase as you're listening to this episode. Rachel, welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. What's up? Uh, it's, it's, first of it's all, I just want to say years. <laughs> it, it has been 75,000 years. Plus there's a pandemic in there. So it might as well be like a hundred and thousand. Yeah. You know, I don't even count years. those. That's like, a, that's my gap year. <laughs> <laughs> I was there for your first book. You were, which I like treat like my bastard stepchild and I should not, I should love it the same. We worked kind of. so hard for that book. I remember, <laughs> um, like there were tables at, at these like pop-up festivals yes. who are promoting you as like the flirt expert and now you know now we got it's another book a big book next level yeah next level book weird. and i am i am genuinely happy genuinely proud of you generally like just everything positive i'm so excited for you congratulations thank you we'll start about how we met first of all because i think it does relate to yes. your book Ooh, pun right there um, so I feel like you and I started in the dating industry because you used to be in the dating industry Yeah, and you still, and obviously, still you still are, yeah. of course. Um, but you, you, we started the dating industry around the same time. And I think one of the things that both you and I agreed with at that time, well, we agreed with many things, but I think our approach to networking was similar, which was become friends in your industry uh, with people that are not only just starting out, but people who are also, you know, weathered and also become friends with people that are not in your industry, but are also starting out that way, their losses are your lessons and their wins are also your wins because there's yeah. lessons. Yeah. I think we both studied really well without actually, you know, there wasn't pen to paper study, but it was just um, observation. And, and, uh, there was so many, there's 
so much room for growth in just every area. So I think, you know, and, and both of us have an eye for opportunity of, okay, how can I make this better? How can I do better? And I think that was, that was always really interesting. And I guess this goes into what I want to talk to, to you about today is, you know, with your book, how do we create a network that matters? Not only just, you know, extending your network for your career, but even for your interpersonal relationships and even romantic relationships. Yeah. And honestly, Relatable was written for, for all of those things. And I'm still, I'm my, you know, my foot is definitely still in the dating side of things. I still work with Match uh, as their chief dating expert. So I'm very much still entrenched in dating. Uh, but I also believe in the power of connection so much beyond you know, that typical where people think of it in terms of romantic relationships, because your relationships are everything. And I hear it all the time. But, you know, everybody talks about relationships, like, you know, I'm building a relationship with this person. I'm like, but are you? And what are you actually doing? And how are you really nurturing it? And does it have the stability and the foundation to be significant for you? Because otherwise, you're just wasting your energy. You know, either you got to be all in, or you might as well be all out. So So let's talk about your book. The book is relatable, how to connect with anyone, anywhere, even if it scares you, you know, immediately, you know, I see the word relatable. What exactly is relatability? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's one uh, that I asked myself. So the entire concept for it started when I left Married at First Sight and I was getting all these messages from viewers that were saying, why are you leaving? Oh my gosh, you're the most relatable expert. And I was like, oh, I, I know what that means from a you know Webster's dictionary <laughs> term of saying it. But what does that mean? And why did these people feel so connected to me when I'm nowhere near them? I'm behind a screen. I'm not even having a two-way conversation. And so I started to think about what is relatability and why is it so impactful and why are they using that word? And I don't believe in research studies of one. (laughs) So, you know, I'm not a case study and now I'm going to rest my laurels on it, but went out and really looked at, okay, who do I consider to be relatable? And then what's the through line? And so the through line to me was, this is somebody that you want to invest in. This is somebody you want to spend time with. It's someone that you want to sit down and have a beer or a cup of coffee. This isn't just likable because I think we can like a lot of people, but relatability is I want to invest my energy in you, which is to me a next level of, of that kind of spectrum. As you're speaking, I'm thinking about how I feel like relatability can sometimes also be a poison. And let me give you an example. This last week, last week, um, I don't know the Kardashian names. Was it, who's the one that's pregnant? Kendall? I honestly have no idea. I know it's one of the K's. I think it's one of the K's. No, it's definitely the all K's. I'm like, oh yeah, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I I said that out loud, but I'm thinking like the little girl K's. Um, not the big the, girl case. The makeup one, not the model one. Anyway, that card. That's Kylie. Okay, one of the Kardashians okay. is pregnant, right? We're really right? good at this. Yes. And um, I've never watched the show. But, um, Same. Um, but uh, one of the K's is pregnant. And I saw how everyone just kind of rallied behind her. And like, you know, even, even uh, which I we have to talk about influencers and relatability after this. Mm. But I saw how people kind of, you know, rallied behind her. And that same exact day, Olivia Munn announces that she's pregnant with John Mulaney's baby. And that reaction was so toxic 
from his Ooh. own followers and audience members. And I feel like it's, you know, I don't think the Kardashians are that relatable, right? There's this major facade that's, you see the production, right? But John Mulaney's entire shtick is relatability. And, you know, like, I don't know if you saw his last special where he talks about, like, I student didn't. loans. Like, I was there, and I remember, like, I remember laughing so hard that I had to watch the Netflix special just to actually listen to the rest of the jokes that were missed. See what you missed. <laughs> yeah. And and it's like, okay, you came this relatable. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, you know, now I'm having a baby. And it's just, I just thought it was like, oh, I think his relatability kind of turned itself upside down. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, I'll have to, I don't, I didn't see the announcement or the reaction to it, but I think sometimes when people feel like they are that connected to you, they think that they have some sort of investment in you. And um, it, just like any relationship, apparently they have opinions about it. So yeah. I'd have to dive deeper into that. But I'm sure there's, I think anytime that you have that level of familiarity with someone, especially when it's not a one-on-one -on -one relationship and this is something from behind a screen, uh, it could, because even with the people on Married at First Sight, it was, they did feel like they knew you or they had a right to you or a right to, you know, reach out to you and criticize you or criticize what you say or what you're wearing and all of these things. So I think there is a level of relatability when, when you are relatable, someone feels like they have access and you have to protect that access too and make sure that the, the people you're inviting in and take up that space, especially in your head, uh, are invited. So I guess that begs the question then, like, you know, we have some influencers online right now. Um, I don't know if they're necessarily relatable, there's like a relatability level, but I feel like some influencers have become so popular because maybe they give advice or maybe they give, I don't know, what's the right word? Like, um, I feel like sometimes it's like a dream sequence, like they're living a dream life like that aspirational. Yes. Aspirational. Yeah. Thank you. Um, see, we're good at this. Uh, <laughs> and what do you think about that kind of like aspirational relatability? Yeah, I think that I think anyone can be relatable and you can be both aspirational and relatable, but I don't think they're always connected. I think oftentimes, uh, and I've seen this in, with the rise of certain influencers, they're definitely not relatable, but they're not trying to be. And if you own that, then that's fine. Uh, they're not looking to connect. They're just looking to portray. But there are some influencers, I think, that do get it. People out there that do understand it and are looking to make that human connection because, and I, I, I say this all the time, anytime I'm talking about anything marketing or sales or branding, just in conversations and people talk about how we're, we're buying humans, which actually sounds really bad, but we're, we're connecting with and we're buying from humans and we're not buying from corporations. And so that's also why influencer marketing became so enormous because it allows corporations to put a face with it so that someone can relate right. to it. So someone can feel something attached to it. So it's a, it's a slippery slope because there's obviously a lot of, um, there's a lot of power that can come from those positions, but I've seen some do it really well. And I've met some that have done it really well and are just awesome people. And then there's some that they're not, they're definitely not trying to be relatable at all. Do you think you need to be relatable to establish um, new networks or networks that can help you in the relationships you want to build? 
Oh my gosh, yes. I, I think anytime that you are looking to expand your circle, anytime that you're looking to expand beyond party of one, uh, relatability is is a key element. Of, and it's not to say that you can't connect with people without it. It's not to say that you can't uh, meet people without it. It's just, it creates an element of, there's a strength in that relationship when you are coming from a relatable place. And, you know, for me, it's relatability is broken down into these pillars of connection, communication, inspiration. And when you have that behind you, then whether you're trying to build a network of uh, your your peers within your professional setting, or if it's friendship, friendship is an enormous problem right now. We have, I think there's a a loneliness pandemic that is parallel to COVID and unfortunately COVID made it worse. So anytime that you're looking to expand beyond that, the more relatable you can be, the more that you're able to make those connections and powerful connections, ones that last and and become really beneficial, mutually beneficial. This isn't like a one-sided, like, what can I get out of this person? This is mutual beneficial. Are there certain things that, um, let's say certain keys to becoming more relatable when trying to do this? Yeah. And so I make fun of myself because as a speaker, oftentimes speakers get things like, you know, they have acronyms. They love their acronyms. And if you ever Mm -hmm. saw someone, you know, went to a motivational speak, they're like, it's STAR and STAR stands for success. And, you know, I, I can't even think, you know what I mean? On mine, I couldn't come up with a good acronym. So I have Kukai, which sounds like a dying crow. Um, you sound like the sixth character from Arrested Development doing the chicken. Right? Yeah. I mean, there might have been one time where I said it and I was like, oh my gosh, you cannot say it like the dying chicken. Uh, but yeah, so it's Kakai, which is connect, communicate, inspire. And, and it's these three pillars that I just saw coincided with what I viewed to be the most powerful elements of relatability and ones that people could kind of grasp and, and say, oh, I can do that. Because I think if we just talk about it and we inspire people to, to think about it, well, that's cool. But then what do they do with it? And where's the where's the steps that they're taking? Because you and I both know from coaching people and from talking to people, they need to be told like, okay, this is step one. And this is what we can do here. And this is what we can think about. And this is what we can implement. What and then go on to step, step two. One? What is a typical, like, I know what I say, but I would love to hear what you say. What's a typical step one for you? Yeah. So I go into, so connect is the, that first step and, and they all kind of embrace, not kind of, it's like full on self-awareness is, is key. My favorite review of this book so far has been a mediocre one, but the guy was awesome. Cause he goes, this book seems to require a lot of self-reflection. I just don't have time for that right now. <laughs> I was like, dude, that's the, that's the best. Like, stars? It was a three. That should be the on the front cover. That should be right? a jacket. That that's like <laughs> second edition. Oh my god! I had a friend sent it to me, and they're like, "I can't believe they left that review. That's horrible." And no, I was like, "That's genius." Are, Are you, you kidding? kidding me? That's amazing. That's an amazing review right there. Amazing. That would make me buy it. Like that would if I didn't if I did not buy it already. That would make me buy it. Right? I just like, thought give it was me awesome. homework. That's what I want from a book: homework. <laughs> yeah. So he was just like, "I don't have time for this." Uh, but yeah. So that first step is that self awareness, and and there's so many different elements, and each chapter comes with those pragmatic steps, but. You know, starting off with authenticity is really identifying how disconnected we are from our true selves and how often we find ourselves wanting to mask who we are and then figuring out why. 
um, because all of those play into why our confidence dips, why our relationships don't work. And something I say all the time is, how can someone truly like you or love you if they don't actually know you? Because you've been putting on these masks. You've been putting on these filters. I mean, listen, I, I say this all the time. I love me a good filter. I mean, there is <laughs> there is nothing better than being like, oh my gosh, I went from like rat face to to beautifully airbrushed. That's awesome. But you can't show up in life like that. You can't show up pretending to be somebody you're not because you're going to be found out. It's going to be disconnect. So that's kind of that first step is really analyzing how am I showing up? How can I do it differently? Yeah, it's all that authenticity. And every time I say the word, I'm like, I know people talk about it all the time, but it's so important. And it's so it's absolutely the cornerstone of everything. Right. Um, and then you so you said it's so that's connect. Yep. And then we go into communicate, which is uh, I, people talk about communication all the time. But for me, it really is so far beyond semantics. Not that I don't talk about semantics, but communication is energetic. It's it's how we show up. I talk about uh, one of my favorite stories that I kept in the book was uh, Mr. Rogers when he went on Oprah. I don't know if you've read this story or heard the story before. It's awesome. So Mr. Rogers, height of Mr. Rogers. By the way, I told this story at a college a couple of weeks ago in Texas, and I had blank stares. No so one they, knew they who, don't Mr. Even know who Mr. Rogers was. Rogers is. They had. I've never felt more old. Um, yeah. And then I'm like, Do you guys know who Oprah is? <laughs> <laughs> do they <laughs> they did and okay. i was like okay all right at least we have somewhere here uh but so mr rogers chicago like the height of mr rogers height of oprah so it's like 1985-86 they're like dude i wasn't even thought of back then uh yeah. and so mr rogers gets booked on oprah and oprah's producers do the pre-interview stuff and mr rogers says you can't have kids in the audience absolutely no children and that's what his team said. And he said, they said, okay. So they brought him in and TV does what TV does and fills the audience with children and families. And then starts I know exactly. I already know. The, I haven't seen right? this, but I already know the issue. Go ahead. Keep going. Oh my gosh. So the kids are in the audience. Oprah and Mr. Rogers are talking. All of a sudden they decide to have one of the children ask a question. And instead of grabbing the mic, the little girl runs towards Mr. Rogers. He stops the interview all he does is focus on that child. He gives the child a hug. He talks to her for like 10 minutes, which in TV land is probably $50,000 even back in the 80s. And then some other little boy runs up and he's worried about the train that's going to fall off the tracks. And so he completely just completely ignored Oprah, completely focused on the kids and uh, just found them to be more important because that was who he cared about. Like that was his intention. And so communication, it's a long way of saying it's, it's giving that level of focus to someone. It's, it's ignoring Oprah or ignoring your notifications to well, allow also, someone to feel that important. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's also, I feel like he may have also done that on a, it has nothing to do with Oprah. I think it has to do with like not traumatizing the child. Like, you know, imagine yeah. like my son is so obsessed with Britney Spears right now that he'll make me record videos of him dancing. And he's like, can you send it to Britney Spears? Like, can you just text Aww. it to her? And he'll be like, what did she say? And now I've created this like situation. Where I'm like, oh my God, she loved it. And it's like, okay, if he meets Britney Spears one day, <laughs> I, you know, She'll probably if you're just listening, Brittany, if you're listening, <laughs> if you see a dark blonde child named Yanni one day, please tell him you love his dancing videos. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. That's but awesome. you know, like, you know, I, so, so to go back to Mr. Rogers, you know, I think he's also trying to mitigate 
trauma. You know, these are children who have that one sided relationship with him. Well, he has a one sided relationship with them rather. They don't know that. They think that this, I see how my son talks to the TV when there's Sesame Street on. Like he thinks that this is happening to him. Yeah. And I think that level of communication is, it's, uh, it's, it's highly personalized, not only to the environment around, but even to, you know, the age group that you're looking for. Yeah. He cares so, that much though. And I think yeah. that was something that you can just it feel and see. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know that many of us reach that level and maybe, you know, that's a, that's an unrealistic goal, but I'm going to make it a goal. I'm going right. to make that my goal that I'm, I want Mr. Rogers level care for the people that I want to connect with. And that's who he wanted to connect with. So I, I just feel like communication to me is so far beyond, uh, so far beyond the words that we choose, obviously important, but it's, it's far more in the way that we show up. It's how we show up. It's it's how we communicate through our our eyes, our body language, everything around that. So that's really where that second pillar comes in. And then it's inspire, you said, is the last one? Yeah. Kakai. Kakai. See, at the end of the day, people remember it, which is kind of yeah, awesome. I will always remember this. That's it. I mean, people will. Yeah, go ahead. So, so what they is inspire? Like is, this, crows. is inspire about like the call to action or... It's more so I, I call it the then what. So you've you've met this person, you've you're looking to make these connections, you get those followers if this is a an online thing, but then what? You know, what is what is your purpose behind this? And you know, Simon Sinek does the why and there's another I, I just listened to a podcast and someone was talking about the because and for me it's that then what. It's like, okay, what what does this mean? And it doesn't have to always be the same thing. Your intentions can change, but we all know people and we feel it when they have something bigger than themselves that, that inspires them and it draws people in and it creates the spark. It's the same thing as if, you know, I was talking to a casting producer the other day and I said, it's, it's, it's like that star quality, but when you're connecting with people, it's, you can see that light behind their eyes and it's not only really amazing for being relatable and connecting with people because you're drawing them in at the same time. It's also a protective mechanism. I was reading a study that just came out. Unfortunately, I couldn't put it in the book because I find it so freaking impactful is people with purpose aren't as affected emotionally by negativity online. They're not affected as emotionally by dealing with the likes or the comments, whatever those, you know, those markers are on social media. People who had a purpose attached to them reacted differently. And I think we react differently in every area when we have something else behind us, something else within us, other than I'm focusing on this superficial element of life. So one of the things that I get asked the most, like, so, okay, let me, let me take a step back for a second. I don't know how, how, how much, I know you have your own life too. I don't know how much you follow my Instagram, but like, it's always like, you know, ask a match week or Wednesdays. I have a nice little community, all that stuff. Right. Um, somebody recently asked me if you were single right now, what would you do? And I mentioned I would do what I did when I was single. In fact, I did some of this with you where I would pick two days a week where I was like, these are my social days. So I have to go to an event, whatever it is and go out. And the way I described it, I got a lot of introverts who were like, you just described, described my nightmare. Thank you. And I, what do you say to someone? Like I, I know what I would say, but I want to hear. You know, I, I think you're such an expert in this. So I want. I definitely want to learn from you. What do you say to someone 
who is an introvert, who the thought of to establish networks, because that's just something you have to do and be relatable and do the connect, communicate, inspire just gives them hives. Yeah. I mean, I think even extroverts could experience this uh, social anxiety, right? So what, what would you say to these people? One is that you're not alone. In fact, you're, you have a lot of comrades out there. There are so many people, from social anxiety to introversion, uh, there are so many people that are far more like you than unlike you. Uh, because I think that's a big thing for, for many people who have any sort of anxiety around this. They think they're by themselves. They think they're the weird ones. And then that just kind of exacerbates any sort of the, the challenges. So I think the first step is recognition and self-acceptance, uh, which might take a minute. And then the second is baby step this. I am not a big fan of throwing people in the deep end. Uh, that's actually how I was taught to swim. I still drive by the swim school that I was thrown in the deep end of, and I still resent them and freak out. Uh, not as much as I did wow. when I was like six years old. My, my mom honestly could not drive down the street. We'd start to cry. <laughs> my brother and I were both sent to the same swim school. It's still open still local and we'd freak out because we just were traumatized by this experience and so i'm not looking to traumatize people i'm looking to show them how to do it step by step so that they feel comfortable and the other thing is is if you feel a traumatic uh attachment to something you're going to stop you're if it feels too scary it feels like it's going to hurt you physically emotionally whatever it is you're going to stop it your body and mind will shut you down but if you prove your brain wrong step by step, you can start to rewire it. And that's something that I think people don't give enough credit to proving your brain wrong. Take that first step. Do something so minor, but it's on that spectrum of I want to get to a point where I can do a networking event twice a week. Start with a conversation with one person. Start with a conversation with somebody you don't know online. You know, reach out to somebody that you're not connecting with on Instagram or LinkedIn or wherever it is that you're looking to make these connections and start to have that conversation. Start at the, the beginning step and then take it to the next one and then the next one. Because the more that you prove your brain wrong, the more that comfortable you're going to go into that next stage with and the more successful you will be. You have to set people up for success because otherwise it's going to set them back. You know, I'm, I'm obviously, you know, I'm very extroverted. And I remember when I started going to events by myself, how traumatic that could be. And, you know, just giving myself a really simple goal of like, look, all you have to do is talk to two people. Once you talk to two people, if you're not enjoying yourself, you can leave. And then what I would do is remind myself that like every single person here is also suffering from anxiety. All you have to do is just say hi to someone. They all want you to say hi to them. Like every single person you've ever been to an event, they're all just dying for someone to talk to them. So just yep. all I have to say is like, hi. <laughs> yeah. How did you hear about this event? <laughs> it's so true. And that's such a perfect goal to attach to it because I think also once you go in there with some intention, then there's a directive. And I feel the same way. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to an event or a conference and I don't know anybody and it feels really awkward for me. And then I start mm -hmm. to think about the people that I talk to with anxiety around this because I don't have it. And it's still one of those moments where I feel like I'm being picked for, for a dodgeball team all over again. I was always last. So that was this fun. This is so surprising to me because I feel like if anyone meets you, it's like, no, you have to pick Rachel. Rachel's got all the grit. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't tell, have the athleticism, from, like, right though. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, Rachel, it was so nice having you on Ask a Matchmaker. Where can people Thank find you? you? 
I am Rachel D'Alto everywhere. I'll include those links in the episode notes for people to find you on Twitter, Instagram, and I believe you're also pretty active on LinkedIn, right? LinkedIn, TikTok, all those. Oh yeah, that's right, TikTok. Yeah, uh, I gotta love. I love TikTok. <laughs> hey, I love TikTok too. I really enjoy it. Um, one last thing: um, you're the chief dating expert at Match. I am. So, is there one hot tip you can give us for people that are on using Match right now? Uh, you know what? The one thing I always say to people is that you got to stay updated. And we've talked about this before. And I, this is this is probably not a hot tip, but I think so often we just let things get stale. And it's time to update that stuff. I see so many profiles where people are still talking about quarantine. I'm like, uh, we're past that. We're, yeah. we're in the second round of this. So yeah. <laughs> get on there, get updated and stop posting pictures of like all your travel stuff. Cause that's might be from like three years ago. <laughs> that is a good hot take. Uh, <laughs> Rachel D'Alto. Um, thank you for coming to ask a matchmaker podcast, her book, relatable how to connect with anyone anywhere even if it scares you was released last week by simon and schuster's tiller press and it can be found at your local independent bookstore and wherever else books are sold i'll include a link in the episode notes where you can purchase the book but you can also and you can also follow uh rachel on all the social media links i include in the episode notes as well again thanks rachel for coming thank you and thank you for listening to Ask a Matchmaker. As I mentioned previously, if you'd like to speak to me on an upcoming hotline episode, follow me on Instagram at Matchmaker Maria. I'll post a link on Wednesdays and we'll chat then. Until then, you can learn more about what I do or enroll in an upcoming Agape Intensive by visiting agapematch.com services. Thank you again for listening to Ask a Matchmaker. Be lovable and more importantly, be likable and relatable. See you next week. When you drive the brand ranked number one in dependability by J.D. Power, you can stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see yourself behind the wheel of the brand ranked number one in dependability by J.D. Power. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Kia received the fewest reported problems among all brands in the J.D. Power 2022 U.S. Vehicle Dependability Study based on 2019 models. See JDPower.com awards for 2022 details.